listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. And what is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media and the Straight Up Saints podcast. And this was one of those games where you probably really didn't need a shot of Ornitos Tequila because the New Orleans Saints came out. It started a little slow, was a little sloppy, a couple of turnovers early in this game. And then after that, it was almost kind of like, especially in the fourth quarter, a little bit of cruise control in the sense that we kind of felt under control. I'll talk about all that. So much to get to Jameis Winston's performance, Alvin Kamara's usage in this game. I thought that was one of the big keys to this game. I'll talk about Marshawn Lattimore, who, by the way, might be pound for pound one of the best, if not the best corners in the NFL. Also, Blake Gillikin had maybe the best punting performance. You'll see this entire NFL season from any team. So, so much to get to. But the key takeaway that I'm going to start this podcast off with, guys, is the Saints did exactly what I wanted them to do. And if you guys remember last episode, what did I say? I kind of came on and just told you guys, if you're the Saints, I will know a lot if you can lose to the Giants in a way that you shouldn't have, blowing an 11-point lead with nine minutes. If you come back on the road against a talented Washington football team and win that game and show that you can bounce back and you could basically handle adversity, well, guess what? That's what I want to see. That's what tells me you're going to be a pretty good team. Or at the very least, when you face adversity, when push comes to shove, you can bounce back. Similar to the way the Saints were flat against Carolina week two, week three come back, beat New England, and beat them pretty well. You did the same thing with Washington. It was almost like a carbon copy. You let them hang around, and then in the fourth quarter, you kind of have that statement drive to close it and kind of show what you might be able to do when you have your full pieces, which is another big component of what I want to address later in this show. But just put it short here. I loved that the New Orleans Saints were able to come out today and win this football game, get to three and two at the bye, which let's be real. You are a bad series away from being four and one, four and one being into the bye, because let's be real. The Carolina game guys, they lost, they lost that one plain and simple, but the giants game, they should have won. So three and two, you got to be pretty confident in the fact that they're doing this without Will Lutz, without Michael Thomas, without Eric McCoy, without Marcus Davenport, without Quan Alexander, without Trey Quan Smith, without Teron Armstead, without basically David Onyemata because he's still suspended for one more game. I'm not listing scrubs. I'm listing very good football players. I'm listing guys where Traquan Smith is by far the worst player. And then the second worst player on that list is probably Quan Alexander, who is a damn good player. So those are the type of guys the Saints are missing. They're missing playmakers. And you put them on a team that is three and two and still trying to find themselves. This could be really good. This can be honestly one of those situations where, yeah, we talk about 10 and seven being your ceiling. You can hit that if these guys come in and everyone hits stride. Now, I'm going to break down this game, a couple of aspects of it. For anyone listening, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, if the comments aren't going through, come to YouTube. I left the link in the description uh, on my Twitter. Hit that link, come in, and we could chat. I'll pull up your, your, your comments on the screen, and you guys know I love to do that. So come through on YouTube. I left the link in the description on Twitter. Get over here and let's chat football. And right away, first comment we're going to get to before I get into my breakdown, was I the only one getting nervous when Kamara was returning punts? Hell no. So yet again, the Saints can't get through a damn game without getting injured. And the injuries in this one were Deontay Harris, which a hammy injury, don't really know the extent of it yet. And then Taysom Hill, the concussion, which I have some thoughts about that and I'll get to in a little bit. But Kamara returning punts, guys, I don't dislike it. I hate it. I despise it. There's no reason why a guy who is basically your prized possession on offense should be returning punts when it just takes one freak accident to get hurt. So there weren't that many frustrating things from this game, to be honest. I thought when you look at it from a grand scope of things and you look through four quarters, 
I thought the Saints actually didn't make too many mistakes. Letting Kamara return punts, though, wasn't a fan of that. Wasn't a fan of that at all. So, yeah, I was a little upset about that. Gutsy win. Jameis Winston wasn't great, but when uh, was solid when the team needed him. Yeah, look, I'm going to talk about Jameis Winston's performance right now while we get into it. And let me just say something about Jameis. I said I learned a lot about the team today. I think I actually learned a lot about Jameis Winston today because I tweeted it, and we all kind of agree with it at first. The first quarter was the full Jameis Winston experience. You have a pick to start out on a throw. He shouldn't make because the pocket's collapsing and he can't really set his feet. It turns into a pick. Then you get the 72-yard bomb to Deontay Harris, and then after that, he fumbles. So it was just a whirlwind, a complete roller coaster of emotions in terms of just watching Jameis Winston. And then from that fumble on out, it was really all good. It's the Hail Mary. It's the pass to Callaway. It's the touchdown to Kamara that seals the deal. So I look at this, and I'm starting to think to myself, look, do I think Jameis Winston's the answer? Do I think Jameis Winston solved everything? No, we're only through five weeks. And I think every week, you're trying to get new information. You're trying to piece together what he could be, what he isn't. And I've seen games where Jameis starts off with a lot of turnovers, and it just becomes one of those three touchdowns, three interception games. And the fact that it didn't, the fact that it became four touchdowns, one interception, and a fumble, and efficient football, and making the completions when you need those completions because that's a big factor, and getting the QB sneaks for first downs on fourth down when you needed the conversions, I think that if it's not a testament to Jameis, which I do think it's a testament to his maturity, I think it's absolutely a testament to what the New Orleans Saints have been able to do in terms of coaching and putting their guys in position to succeed. And I think that's just, you just saw it. You absolutely saw it because this is a game that could have turned into the, here comes the same old Jameis making mistakes. No, that's not what happened. Instead, you saw a guy who got his composure, got under control. And the second half, I thought he played pretty flawless football. I thought he looked pretty good for the most part. So I was impressed. I was encouraged. So that's how I feel about Jameis Winston. Should the Saints make a trade for pass rush help? Man, look, this pass rush is bad. And I I think the Saints defense is going to keep them in almost every single game. But at some point, they got to get after the quarterback. Now, what is the the help for the pass rush? Well, instead of thinking trade, you kind of think, what do you get from your own guys? And I think if you get David Onyemata back there, if you get Marcus Davenport back there, maybe that is your essential trade at the deadline that gives you that boost on the defense. So I think for the Saints, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at getting your own guys back. Now, is Davenport reliable? No, but David Onyemata is pretty reliable when he's on the field. He's pretty healthy. So getting an interior defensive lineman who could rush the quarterback that is a key. That's going to help your pass rush. So I really do think that the answers, for the most part, except for wide receiver two, the answers are in the locker room for the Saints. This is a more talented team than people expect. So I think that's important. Now, I agree. I'm going to talk about Winston a little bit more before I get to Lattimore because, man, I want to talk about that. But I thought for Winston, I thought this these are the type of games you want. You know, everyone gushes about the first game. We had five touchdowns and, and no picks. And it's easy to get hyped over that. It, it is. But its performances, like last week against the Giants or this week against Washington, where I'm impressed, it's the second half when you're making the big throws because that's something that we just haven't seen enough of. And now you are seeing it. And to see it two weeks in a row, especially when this one started off as poor as it did, that's good. That is encouraging. Absolutely. And as a team, guys, as a team, you are 1,000% hyped about where they could go because you have to address that they're playing with the B squad right now. This might not even be the B squad. This might be the C squad. I mean, the Saints are rolling out players that they don't want to use. They have to. Not out of want, out of necessity because of all the injuries. So I think that this is a team that could be ascending. And we're also, especially today, we saw guys who us Saints fans have been saying, oh, he's going to break out. He's going to break out. 
And Callaway hasn't done much, and Troutman hasn't done much. Well, today, they finally did something. Troutman had two big catches in this game, and then you also have Callaway, who had the huge touchdown, Hail Mary, at the end of the half, and then the touchdown where he was wide open on a beautiful design scheme from the New Orleans Saints. So I, I think there is a lot to like about this team moving forward. Now, what I really want to talk about, get to the defensive side of things, man, Marshawn Lattimore, I remember the controversy about whether or not they should sign him because you have the one half are like, man, pay him whatever he wants. And then you got the other half who are like, I don't know. He can't, he doesn't always put his foot on the gas. Well, today was the matchup. Today was the matchup against Terry McLaurin. You got two former Ohio State Buckeyes. You got two of the best players at their craft. McLaurin was coming off a game where he had a buck 20 and two touchdowns against the Falcons. So you know Lattimore's got to step up. And what does Lattimore do? Lattimore steps the hell up. Multiple pass breakups. So, so many of them on crucial downs in this game where the Saints needed a stop. And you just can't help but wonder if when Lattimore's on, is he the best corner in the NFL? I don't think that's a stretch. Like, I think Lattimore is that talented. And I think what Lattimore's able to do when he's on an island and it's all you and you got no help, he always rises to the occasion. So me personally, guys, I, I really think when Lattimore plays like this, that's the key to the defense. They can struggle on pass rush. They can, they can fail in blitz situations sometimes. And they have the luxury of a corner who can go out there and just lock up their guy. And that's what Lattimore did against one of the best in the game in Terry McLaurin. Like Terry McLaurin, guys, he's one of those receivers that it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. It doesn't matter if it's Dwayne Haskins or Taylor Heineke or Alex Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to ball out. So Lattimore did his thing. Absolutely impressed with what Lattimore did out there. I thought he was outstanding in this one. He was not the only outstanding player in this one, though. If you were, you know, to go into this game, you said, Chris, who would you give the game ball? Who would be the who would be the player of the game? Blake Gilligan, guys, had five punts for 268 yards. That is a 53.6 average. That is absurd. He honestly, I thought at one point he had some type of mind control going on because the ball was bouncing down to the one and then hooking out of bounds. It wasn't going into the end zone. And I thought it was one of the best punting displays I've ever seen in my life. Not this season, not in Saints history that I've ever seen. He was just dictating field position. And when you dictate field position like that and your offense is struggling, it shifts the whole game. Think about it for a second. The offense is struggling. He nails them back at the one-yard line. A couple plays later, P.J. Williams intercepts Taylor Heineke. That shifts the game. So Michael Gil uh, Blake Gilkin, excuse me, what he was able to do, and I, I know we talk about how bad Certain things are for the Saints, especially special teams with kicking. And my Lord, they need Will Lutz back. Uh, that is a fact. The punting situation, it is perfect. It is better than perfect. It is way better than last year. It is a huge improvement. Love what we're getting out of that side of the ball. And special teams matters, guys. So I, I really am uh, impressed. As for who gets the game ball, I'm going to be honest, guys. Lattimore Gilkin, you're asking? I, I really think I'm going to give it to Gilkin. I, I never thought I would come on this podcast and say I'd give a punter the game ball. But when you play that well, I mean, 53.6 yards per punt, guys, you're shifting the field, absolutely shifting the field. So I thought he was the player of the game, and that was great. But he was not the only – those two were not the only guys that impressed me, including Jameis. Obviously, there was another guy who I thought stepped up, and even him, he could have played even better, Alvin Kamara. We've been sitting here on this platform. It could be any Saints podcast you listen to this week, guys. Any of us. It could be me. It could be Ross. It could be Saints Twitter. It could be any of the wonderful Saints uh, you know, podcasts you could get out there. We all said, enough's enough. Alvin Kamara's got to be used as a receiver. Well, they used him today, and honestly, his stat line is not indicative of what it could be. 
He was pretty good, guys, with five catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Also did his thing rushing the football, and he dropped an easy catch on a wheel route that he never drops. And I thought for the Saints, how you use AK in today is really big because you don't want to overwhelm him with the workload because then you end up with Carolina situation with McCaffrey, and no one wants that. So when you do 21 total efficient touches, 16 on the ground, five through the air, that's the key. None of that 26 carries you did against the Giants. Give me this type of game week in, week out if possible because Alvin's a mismatch nightmare, especially when you get him against a linebacker or safety. You're going to have that advantage. So I thought Kamara's usage was perfect. He could have played a little bit better. Don't get me wrong. But man, man, I, I thought Kamara, this is a positive because when you get Michael Thomas back, you get Trey Quan Smith back, defenses can't have the luxury of saying, okay, just zero in on AK. You got to make a choice, zero in on AK or zero in on Michael Thomas. And that is where you kind of put teams in a bind. So there is a lot of optimism moving forward in that regard. I loved, absolutely loved Alvin Kamara's usage. Now, I am not going to get through today without having a mini rant. And I just want to say something. There was two things from this game that really bothered me. And then I'll, I'll address all the questions you guys drop in the chats. I'll pull them up and we'll, we'll comment on the live reaction. If you guys haven't just dropped anything in, I'll pull it up on the screen. The officiating in this game was a problem. It was a problem. Now, it didn't cost the Saints a win. I'm not here to say I want all these guys fired, although I wouldn't mind it. But it was a problem, a legit problem. And it all started with a bullshit challenge that the Saints should have won that, got, that, that just stood for no reason. I mean, you have the CBS anal uh, analyst who's basically a longtime ref going, yeah, no, that, that should be overturned. That's not a catch. The refs are like, yeah, no, no, that's good. Leave it a catch. So that's a problem. Taysom Hill gets his head literally taken off his body. And yes, they do throw the flag where it should be a flag. But how about we eject the guy for once? You know, the extreme between college and the NFL is nuts. College can't wait to eject a player. And the NFL is like, ah, no, no, it's fine. Leave him in the game. And I'm not saying that Jackson's a dirty player for the hit he had Taysom Hill. That particular play, though, was unwarranted. Taysom Hill gets concussed because of it, and you're down a good player. How about the player who caused that injury that should have never happened because it's a dirty hit? How about they sit the rest of the game too? So I thought that was a problem, and then I can't forget that DPI on Lattimore in the fourth. I mean, did Lattimore get a little handsy? Sure. Was that ball uncatchable? Yes, because Heineke was throwing it out of bounds on purpose. He was throwing that ball out of bounds on purpose, and the refs were like, no, nah, the DPI is fine there. We'll throw the flag. I, I think that's fine. That, for me, blows my mind. And luckily for the Saints, they were able to bounce back, stop the two-point conversion, and then score a touchdown. But against a really good team, guys, that can cost you. That can absolutely cost you. So I really am curious to see what happens uh, with officiating moving forward because this is a problem. And games where you play better teams, play a Tampa Bay, you play a Seattle, you, you play a Carolina, this can't happen. You can't have officiating this piss poor. That will cost you. So I'm going to get to some questions, and then I'm going to kind of project what I think the Saints team could be because – Honestly, guys, you go into this game to put 33 points up on the board after a sloppy start. You force turnovers when I said coming to the game, Taylor Heineke's going to throw a couple of interception-prone passes. You got to come down with them. P.J. Williams and Paulson Debo did. I think the Saints did a lot of good. So I'm not going to rag on this team. I ragged on them last week. I'm not ragging on them this week because they came back and they did what they had to do. So let's talk about a couple of the comments you dropped in and then talk about what they could be later on. Thoughts on Debo Seems to be improving every week and becoming a nice compliment. Look, I thought, you talk about Jameis Winston, you talk about this team, and then bouncing back. Paulson Adebo was not good last week. Got just eaten alive by Kadarius Tony, And it was so easy for the Saints to just say, start Bradley Roby and forget about Adebo. They didn't do that. 
He stuck with the rookie. He stuck with the rookie. They allowed him to get minutes. They allowed him to kind of redeem himself. And he did. He actually redeemed himself. And when you do that, that's going to lead to more confidence down the road. And for him to come up with that, that interception by the goal line where Washington scores a touchdown there just completely flips the game. That was crucial because it was 13-13 at the time. So I am really, really confident in Debo. And we've reached that point, guys. The 2021 draft class is already better than the 2020 draft class. Adebo and Pete Warner are making plays. Peyton Turner's been a little too quiet for my liking since his debut. But Warner and Adebo are consistently making plays. So I really do like what I see from those two. So I absolutely do love Adebo. UK Saints fan here. Just got back home from watching the Falcons. Glad to hear there are a lot of positives. Yeah, look, I'm going to be honest. If you're a Saints fan, you were very encouraged with what you saw today because the mistakes are fixable. And a lot of the mistakes that they do make, besides the sloppy ones for the most part, are a talent void. And guess what? You're going to get a lot of talent back. And I think that's so crucial for the Saints because for them, and, and this is going to allow me to segue kind of into my point about this team where they could be. I think if you're a Saints fan and you went back before the season started and you looked at the schedule, you probably penciled in the Packers as a loss. So either you had them going four and one, or you had one more loss in that five-game span where they lost a lot of talent. And you said three and two, and they did that. And we can complain and sit here and say they should be four and one, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And I can do that, but I'm wasting my own time because the record is what the record is. And it says three and two. And that's a good number. The Panthers lost to the Eagles today. The Seahawks do not have Russell Wilson. The 49ers are trying to find themselves with Trey Lance. The Bears, the Lions, the Vikings aren't good. The NFC East is probably only sending the Cowboys. What am I getting to here? There is absolutely a wild card spot that the Saints are going to be able to fight for. Absolutely. And now that you get a lot of this talent back, Will Watts especially fixing your kicking issues, the Michael Thomas situation, getting a wide receiver one. Let's not forget how good Michael Thomas is, guys. Do not forget it. It's easy to forget almost in the sense that he barely played last year. He hasn't played yet this year. Do not sleep on how good Michael Thomas is because when you get him back, that's going to change a lot. And then you get back a Marcus Davenport and David Onyemata who will fix a D-line that's not been good. That really, really is a big-time thing for them. So I really am really, 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 really watching how this team can go and how they can trend upwards because I think that's kind of where they're going to go when they get this talent back. And I think that's big because what are we complaining about, guys? We're complaining about the kicking situation. We're complaining about the wide receiver situation. We're complaining about the pass rush. Those are the three biggest complaints. A lot of those can get solved by the returns of Thomas and Traquan Smith, the returns of Davenport and Onyemata, and the return of Will Lutz. Because, man, watching Aldrick Rosas and watching Cody double doink Parkey, not having it at all. When did the Deontay Harris injury occur, you guys asked? They never showed it. I hope he's back after the bye week. So here's the interesting thing. is, It's a hamstring injury, not good, especially for a speedster like Deontay. I don't know when the heck it happened because he was fine on the touchdown run, and then all of a sudden you have a guy who is on the punt back where you have, uh, you know, I think got blocked by Granderson. Granderson had the rough in the punter. Harris was in on that play. And then all of a sudden, he's not there. So I'm assuming it happened somewhere on that play or he heard it on the long touchdown run and he got tweaked. So I think that obviously um, is what happened. I think either tweaked on the long run or he tweaked it on that punt but the punt would make no sense. I would assume he kind of maybe heard it on the touchdown and then didn't really feel it until that punt. Because for him to feel it when he's fielding a punt that didn't even go to him because he didn't catch the ball, 
I find that hard to believe. So I, I am worried about it. I do hope that he does return after the bye. That is yet another piece that the Saints are going to have to figure out if he misses time because Deontay has been their wide receiver one through the first five weeks of the season. So you can't just replace a Deontay Harris. He's hard to replace. So I'm really interested in seeing what happens, obviously, with this Saints football team. But again, like I said, you are three and two going into the bye. There are certain flaws they're probably not going to be able to correct this season, but there are definitely flaws that could be corrected. And the kicking situation is one that I think will get fixed with Will Lutz back in there. And that is so pivotal in big games like last week when you're close with the Giants and future games with the Buccaneers and the Panthers and the Eagles. When you get in those matchups and need a big kick, I think we're all going to feel a lot more confident with Will Lutz stepping up to the plate than with someone like Aldrick Rosas or a Cody Parker. So I really think you're the Saints. That is a big key there for sure. So all that said, guys, I am cautiously optimistic that this team can be competitive. Do I think this is a Super Bowl team? It's five weeks in, guys. So the answer is no. It's five weeks in. I, I don't think that's the case. But I do think, though, that this is a team that has a lot of upside. And I think that the issue, for the most part, has been health. So we'll see what happens there. Bucks, Michael Thomas return. I said it from the get-go, and I, I think this is the fair bet. I don't think it makes sense for Michael Thomas to play Monday night against the Seahawks because then after missing so much time, he plays two games in a, what is it, a six-day span? And I just think that would be an issue if he does that. So I think Mon you skip the Monday night game. Sunday late afternoon session against Tampa Bay, that is the game. And ironically enough, it would almost tie his shit together because remember when he got hurt, it was week one against the Bucks last season at home. He gets a shot there. I think that is really, really the play if you're the Saints. And you kind of have to think of the matchup too. Seattle right now is in a weird situation. Russell Wilson's injured. Their secondary is not that good. So if anything, maybe you play Michael Thomas on a limited count in Monday night to ramp him up, which kind of gets to your question here about do you think MT hits the ground running? Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you allow MT to kind of get his feet under him, get ready, get his routes back under him. And then all of a sudden you unleash him against the Bucs. Maybe that's a possibility. Uh, but I do think how the Saints play this is really pivotal because you don't want to rush it. Because if you rush it and Michael Thomas gets injured again, that's probably the season for him. So you have to be really, really careful, really precise as to when you want to bring him back. And I am really, really excited to see what happens with that Michael Thomas situation. Because I, I tweeted about it yesterday. There are issues that Michael Thomas causes, whether it's a social media activity or the things he says or the things he do, or he does, excuse me. There are problems, obviously. But man, when he's on his game, it just changes everything because this is a guy who had 149 catches in a year. That is just absurd. So I really am excited to see what this offense looks like. And I think for Saints fans, a lot of you guys have always asked, what do you think of Jameis? What do we make of Jameis? So far, it's been a lot of okay. I think that's kind of been where I'm at. But you're going to get a better understanding when Michael Thomas is in. I think every quarterback in the NFL benefits from having their best receiver on the field. I don't think that is a, a hot take. That is just a fact. So Getting him out there, really excited. Uh, and, I, and I'll say this, guys. The Saints are reminding me a little bit of the Chicago Bears from a couple years ago where it was really a lot of defense. It was being opportunistic and then hoping your offense catches an identity somewhere along the way. If the Saints can do that, that is the playoff formula, and we'll see what happens for there. But I'm leaving this, this podcast on a positive note. I will be back later this week. Going to kind of 
talk about the injuries, what they could do. Hopefully we get some updates on Taysom Hill and Deontay Harris because, boy, both those injuries are not good for this team. Taysom's being scary. Deontay's being more of an unknown, and we'll see what happens there. But you're 3-2. and two. You're feeling good. You're coming off another win. The Saints now have proven they can travel anywhere and win. They've done it in Jacksonville. They've done it in Washington. They've done it in New England, all different places. I think that's a really good sign for this team when you got to play road games you know, on the later part of the schedule, really intrigued there. So the Saints are three and two. They're going to get a lot of talent back, guys, and you have to feel pretty positive about where this team is heading, especially now that they have the bye week. So you guys get to relax, no stress next weekend, and then the Saints will be back at it Monday night, October 25th against the Seattle Seahawks, and I can't wait. That should be a really, really, really fun game, and I'm really excited to see where this team goes. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, guys. I appreciate all of you tuning in as usual, and stay tuned for more content in the very near future. I'll break down what this team can look like after the bye. I'll break down the injuries, hoping to have a guest, one of these beat reporters on, maybe talk about what's going on behind the scenes, what the vibe was in the locker room after that win. But you guys should be encouraged. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy this upcoming week. And let's hope the Saints can keep things rolling when they come out of the bye. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast.